You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. We have partnered with, in small ways, in some larger ways, with um, a, a new work that has come into... Mike, how long have you guys been here? Over a year yet? Ten months. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, Mike and Vilma Connor have been... Uh, the Lord put it in their heart. I'm not going to ruin the story because you tell it much better than I do. But they are starting and have started the Beaumont Dream Center here in Beaumont. I mean, I want to tell you something. This is a godsend because it's an answer to prayers for so many churches. And I just admire their obedience and their faithfulness. So will you help me uh, just greet Mike as he comes on up and blesses us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to just thank Pastor Andy and Pastor Sandy and Kim. Um, they're you guys, not just them, but you guys, a lot of you we know, uh, have befriended us from the very beginning and really just spoke life into us and just encouraged us and supported us. And so I want to thank you, Pastor Andy. Thank you for sharing your pulpit with me. Uh, also, during the hurricane, we were. Wow. Well, long story short, let me just share this. We're, um, we come from the L.A. Dream Center. Been there. I've been there for 14 years. Velma was there for 17. We met there. Uh, when, once she saw me, she just, she just lost all semblance of, of normalness and just wanted me. And uh, actually, it wasn't love at first sight. We couldn't stand each other. So it was, it was definitely God that kind of brought us about. And uh, but we've been doing ministry at the Dream Center, running the, the faith-based recovery program for the last 14 years. A few years ago, God began to deal with us about uh, transition and change, and uh, we've been coming out here. Uh, my daughter and her family are here. Would you guys stand? Uh, I can't embarrass my daughter anymore. She's an adult, so I'm going to embarrass my grandkids. So, uh, But we've been coming out here and visiting them for the last few years, uh, during the summer months, and uh, God just really impressed that this area needed a dream center. And so we put some things in motion, and God just miraculously did something that was beyond our wildest expectation. Uh, we were approved for corporation status over the weekend back in November, and of last year, we received our 501c3 in six days, which is unheard of. Uh, God has just been blessing Finances have been coming in, uh, really helping us out. And those of you that, that know us and those of you that don't, we just signed the lease October 31st on the former Al Price Detention Center. And so, uh, so now we have uh, 50 acres and uh, 12, 13 buildings, around 200,000 square feet. So we are going to need a lot of help. So, uh, But... Uh, but part of what precipitated all of that was that we were actually in the flood, lost everything, and your pastor graciously allowed us to park our RV over here during that time and, uh, until we kind of resettled and, and regrouped, and the county approved us to, to get the facility. So this church is very dear to our heart, and so I just want to thank you guys for everything, that, all the love and all the compassion that you guys have showed us. And, and your pastors, give your pastors a hand. Uh, they're, they're amazing. They're amazing. So um, having said all that, I, I just want to share 
uh, a little bit from my heart. Obviously, I'm here representing the Dream Center this morning, so I'm definitely going to talk about dreams. And, and that's something that I think that, that we all have deep inside of us is we all have a dream. And, and we all want to see that dream come to pass. And, 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 and sometimes we sit back there and we hear the, the speaker or the pastor speak and it, it inspires us and it causes us to daydream a little bit. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, that's me. I, I know I can do that. And then all of a sudden something happens. Life sets in. And we find ourselves just kind of this, this cloud hanging over us and just wondering, what happened to my dream? What happened to my passion? And so uh, I want to share that. But first I want to share a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. The Apostle Paul speaking, he said, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And that really describes the atmosphere of where he was at in his day and time of, of the persecution of the church and a lot of things that were going on. But yet, we look at our area here and we look at the devastation that this hurricane caused. And, and we, we hear things like what happened in Las Vegas. And, and we hear things about what happened just down the road in San Antonio, just outside of San Antonio with the shootings. And, and since then, there have been a couple of other shootings that have gone on. And it's like, we're surrounded, and, and sometimes we're perplexed, and, and all these things can tend to weigh us down and cause us to be cast down. But, but like Paul said, we are not destroyed because we have hope, we have faith in Jesus and who He is. We celebrated the price that He paid for us just a few minutes ago, and so that gives us hope to dream. Verse 16, and continuing in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. How many's ever had a dream? How many's seen that dream come to pass? Wow. About 3% of the people that raised their hands had a dream raised their hands that the dream came to pass. And that's sometimes what happens to us in life because the things that, that we see, the things that we look at, the things that are surrounding us that pass away, I mean, the waters from the hurricane and the flood have receded, right? All that's gone, and like, like the Scripture said, it's temporary, it passed away, but the things that we can't seem, like a dream, when you have a dream and God deposits a dream in your heart, it's in there for a long, long time. And when you look at that dream and you allow that dream to get inside of you, Pastor Tommy, one of the founders of the Dream Center, says that when you keep a dream inside of your heart for five years and you nourish it and you allow it to grow, then that's when you begin to see that dream start to come to pass. And, and that's what this Scripture is about, that as we have that hope, as we have that dream, that we nourish it, 
that we keep it inside of us, that, that, that we, when the opportunity rises and we're able to share in a good setting with people that encourage us, like your pastor has encouraged me, and you begin to share what's going on. To be honest, when we came here, we didn't even know about that facility out there. I had driven past it, and I'm like, what's that? And, 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 different, and I asked, I asked people, what's that? And they're like, oh, it used to be a, a, a youth facility. I don't remember what the name of it was. Just like things pass. But, I, but I, I want to share something with you right now and go on record right now that even though people may not remember that, that facility's name, from this point forward, people will remember the dreams that are birthed in that facility because God is going to do a mighty work. Now, when I look at all the chaos that is happening in our world and in our situation and our circumstance, I'm reminded of a situation by a young man named David. Anybody ever heard the story of David, King David? I want to read a passage in 1 Samuel 17, verse 29. It says, David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing, and these people answered him as the first ones did. Now, the reason why I just picked that scripture, and I'm going to share a little bit more about that in a minute, but, but I wanted to key on that word from the King James that, that David said. He said, is there not a cause? Now, if you're familiar with the Bible and you know the story of David and Goliath, this was right before David was going out to fight Goliath. And his brothers were there, and they were questioning him, and there were some things that were going on. And he made that, that famous statement that preachers, including myself, have preached time and time again. It's like, is there not a cause? Now, I've read that. I've preached that this way. But I want to share a different revelation that God gave me regarding that phrase. Because I've looked at it like, there's this giant, there's this circumstance, there's this thing in my life, and is there not a cause for me to go out and to conquer it? And that'll preach. I mean, I'm telling you, I've preached it. It'll preach, okay? But what I really want to share with you is I want to look at a different translation to kind of share with you exactly what David was saying. Now, in the contemporary English version, this is what it says, verse 29. Now, what have I done? David answered, can't I even ask a question? Now, to give you a little bit of perspective about what I want to share with this morning, let's back up to chapter uh, 16, which is a chapter right before this. Saul, in chapter 15, Saul had done some things. He was rejected by God. And so God spoke to Samuel and said, you need to quit crying over Saul. I've already rejected him. I want you to go get another king, anoint another king. And so he went to the house of Jesse, and he began to look for the king. God told him that the king was going to be one of his sons. And he went and looked through all the sons, and and nothing happened. Nothing was there. And so finally, he asked Jesse, is this everyone? He's like, well, no, we got the baby. He's out in the back, you know, the back 40. He's watching the sheep. I didn't really think he's, he's like a teenager. He's sometimes his trouble. You just never know what's going to come out of his mouth. So I didn't want to bring him. I was a teenager like that once. (laughs) You never know what's going to come out of your mouth. But so long story short, he went and got him. He anointed him king. Then you read a little bit further down in chapter 16 and into the first part of chapter 17 and began to see that after David was anointed king, okay, now, now, it doesn't say this part, but I imagine that Samuel probably told him, you know, you got to keep this quiet because even though you're anointed, your time's not yet, okay? 
I have a very vivid imagination, so I kind of put myself in the story like I'm a fly on the wall, and I begin to see what's going on there and hear all the things that are happening. And it's like, and that's what I imagine. And so David probably kept this dream in his heart, like Pastor Tommy talked about, to keep it inside of your heart. But, but yet he knew these things. And so it was inside of his heart, and, and all of a sudden something happened, and, and Saul, because of his circumstances and his situation, the Scripture tells us that an evil spirit began to come upon him and trouble him. And so they went and they looked for someone that could play an instrument that could soothe his spirit. And, and what other person could they find than David, who was a worshiper? And so now, so get this, so David was anointed king, and then on top of that, he found himself in the palace every now and then, because the, the Bible does tell us that he went back and forth from the palace to his family, Every now and then he found himself in the palace. So all of this stuff was happening. So, so he not only had this dream that was in his heart that God had, had placed there, but he also found himself in the palace. Now what teenager wouldn't dream looking around that? Someone's come up to you, Pastor, and he's like, okay, you know, say a little shundai and everything like that, and, and, and you're going to be king. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in the place where you're supposed to be king. How can you not happen to go around and look, you know? It's like, oh, wow, check out this throne. Anybody here? Well, I'm going to just try it out. Yeah, it's a little big, but I'll grow into it. And, uh, and just imagine that. And so here we have, we fast forward to verse 29. His dad said, go check on your brothers. Tell me what's going on. And so he goes there and he sees all this. Now, I don't believe that David went there wondering if God was going to use him to do something. When he began to ask questions, the Scripture says that when he heard what was happening with Goliath, how Goliath was just dissing Israel, he was dissing God. And so the question David asked, what will be done to the person who kills this, this Goliath? Now, I don't believe his mindset was, can I take him? I believe his mindset was, I got this. God's got my back. I got this. So what's the reward? Now, keep in mind, the anointed king being in the palace, and then all of a sudden he hears, well, the person that bests Goliath is going to get to marry the king's daughter, and he's never going to have to pay taxes the rest of his life. Do you know why David said that? I believe with all my heart, the reason why David said that was he was daydreaming. He was daydreaming what it was going to be like. He was going to kill this dude. He was going to marry the king's daughter. He was going to have an automatic end. You know, like we all do, we all have this dream, we all think of the way it's going to happen, and we just like, okay, well, maybe I'll help God out a little bit, you know? And so I believe that David was daydreaming. He was asking, what's going to happen? Tell me again. You, what's going to happen? If I do this, what's going to happen? And then he goes up, what's going to happen? And so his brothers come upon that, and they say, what are you doing? Why are you stirring up trouble? Why are you doing this? You need to go back to the sheep. Again, you're the teenager. You're the troublemaker. We don't need you here. Go back to the sheep. 
And that's when David said, is there not a cause? Can I even just ask a question? Because I want to dream. I want to dream. You see, I want to ask you the same question this morning. Is there not a cause? But I want to put a little twist on it. Is there not a cause to dream again? To dream again. We all have dreams. We all have aspirations. I've been ministering to people that are struggling with addictions and life-controlling problems for nearly 20 years, and I never once met an individual that came out of that situation and those circumstances that came up to me and said, you know, Pastor Mike, when I was a kid, I used to dream about being an addict. Not once. When I was a teenager and I I, I saw my dad, who was an alcoholic, I, I, I wanted to grow up and be just like him. Not once. But usually the dreams were the opposite. And it's like if they had felt neglected or or they felt like that they were abused, then then the dream was, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be something different. I'm going to be something better. I'm going to dream again because there's a cause within my heart that I don't want to be in this situation. I don't want to be in this circumstance anymore. And so I'm going to dream again because God has given me a cause in my heart. There are ministries here that have yet to be birthed because God spoke to your heart and you're just waiting around for someone else to do it. You see, David didn't wait around. He saw what needed to be done and he did it. You don't need a 501c3 to go out and do something. You don't need a minister's license to go out and to share the gospel to your neighbor down the street. You don't need, if you see homeless people and you're moved with compassion, you don't need to wait for someone to say, hey, let's go do something because God moved on you. God put a cause in your heart and it's time to rekindle that dream. Sometimes in order for us to rekindle that dream, we need to look at people who have dreamed before so that we can be inspired. So with that in mind, I want to look at some things that David did that got him to that point. Number one, David had a relationship with God. Acts 13.22 says, and he had... After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Why? He was a worshiper. I can dream like you would not imagine. And I had all kinds of dreams. All the things that I was going to do, I mean, it was just crazy. Went to Bible college, was on the fast track. I was going to do some great things. Found a woman, thought this was, this was going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And it was for a while. But then after a while, she wanted to go a different direction. My world fell apart. My dreams fell apart. 
and, and it was in the situation like that that I found myself crying out to God to where he began to speak to me. And actually, I was in a conference, at a singles conference one time, and the man that was up there teaching stopped his teaching in the very middle of what he was doing, and he looked out at me, and I had a green shirt on, and he just stopped, and he said, you there in the green shirt, I just feel like, I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what's happening, but I just feel like that God wants me to tell you that you're his friend and everything that that means. And the, the ones in the Bible that I have seen that, that, that they talked about were God's friend was, was Abraham and David. And I'm like, wow, that is so freaking cool. Can I say freaking? No? Okay, okay. Uh-huh. I'm an unconventional preacher. The first time I went to L.A., I was preaching my first sermon to, to this crowd of people that were just, like Pastor Tommy says, barely saved. And so after the sermon, one guy came up to me. He said, Pastor Mike, that was, that was the best GD sermon I've ever heard. I've never felt so effing good in my entire life. Okay? Except he actually said the words, okay? So I, I'm PG-13 in it here for you, but... Uh, but it was like, you know, coming from Oklahoma and the buckle of the Bible belt, and you're like, wow, wow. I, I said, thank you, thank you. I, that's the best compliment I think I've ever had. But it kept me dreaming. I thought my life was over in ministry because of the divorce. I thought it was over. I thought I, I didn't have any thing to do. And I remember one time in the course of all that time, I was, I was in a conference in Phoenix at Pastor Tommy's church, and I remember setting up on the balcony, the very top balcony, and I was looking down, and, and something was happening. It was stirring up dreams of wanting to do something for God and, and making a difference. And I remember praying this prayer, and I said, God, I know because of the divorce, I'll probably never be a senior pastor, but if I could just be on staff at a church like this, that would be so cool. And then a year and a half later, I got the call to go to L.A. wasn't me. I didn't know anybody. But God knew me. And God knew my cause. And God knew the dream that he had placed there. And, and so because I had that relationship, because I would worship God... That was what came about. And if we want to have a cause to dream again, then, then what we have to do is develop that intimacy with God on a daily basis and never let it go. Number two, <coughs> David was obedient. He was obedient to his father who told him to watch the sheep. Even though Samuel, who was, who was heard about all throughout the land, the prophet of God. He started the school of prophets for all the prophets that came after him. And, and he was the man. He, he was like Bethel. Is that right? Bethel in Redding, California. I mean, that was the school that he started was just like that. Like everyone wanted to go there. But yet, his dad said, you can't be here. Somebody's got to stay with the sheep and you're the youngest. And sorry, bud, but that falls on you. And he was obedient. And when Samuel confronted Saul when he had done something wrong, this is what he said in chapter 15, verse 22, and he said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, 
and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Those are some pretty harsh words. But you have to be obedient. Because here's the thing. Are you guys ready for this? This is going to be mind-blowing. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. I, I love this man, but he's not perfect. And I bet if Kim was here, she'd agree. So, right, so, right, so. But uh, I, I know you asked my wife. She's going to tell you. I'm going to ask my daughter. They're going to, uh, I'm not perfect, you know. Nobody's perfect. And you know what? There are no perfect leaders. And, and Saul, the king, was far from perfect. But yet, David was obedient. David was obedient. Some of you, can I, can I be free? Some of you get your panties in a wad when the pastor asks you to clean up the church. Not everyone, because this is a great church. But there, and I'm just using that as an example. There, there could be anything that could be done. And sometimes there are leaders that we are under, and I've been under some of those leaders that are, they, they suck at leadership. They really do. But yet if God has placed you there, God has called you to be obedient to that. Because if you want to see your dream come to pass, then you have to help someone else fulfill their dream. I did that for 14 years. 14 years. Sorry. <clears throat> I'm a big crybaby. But 14 years. And God blessed me with the facility that in my lifetime I never thought I would have. One of my friends the other day said, you have the biggest dream center. I said, no, I don't. I said, Dream Center in L.A. is 400,000 square feet. They're like, well, how many acres? I said, well, their acres, 10-acre campus. Their campus is 10 acres. He said, well, how many acres is yours? And, and it just it blew me away that God would trust me. But the reason he trusted me was because I was intimate with him and I was a worshiper and because I was obedient to those over me that sometimes didn't really do things the way I wanted them to. That's another story. Number three, David was loyal. Even after he was anointed king, he was loyal to his family. He did what his father said. He, uh, he did what the king, he was loyal to the king even though the king tried to kill him. There was one time they were in a cave, and you, you can find this in uh, um, chapter 1 Samuel 24. And they were in a cave, and Saul went in the cave that says to relieve himself. Basically, he was going to the bathroom. Okay? So Saul went in a cave, and, and while he was in there, and he tossed his cloak aside, David cut off a piece of it. His, 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 his men were saying, now's your chance. God has delivered your enemy into your hands, just like you, he said he would. Now's your chance. You need to get rid of the guy, and everything's cool. David said, no. He's God's anointed. 
and it's not up to me to get rid of him. God's the one that's going to do that. And so he was loyal to the king. And if we want to see our dream come to pass, and we've we got to be a worshiper and have that intimacy with God, we, we have to be obedient and we have to be loyal. And finally, have to have faith. Great faith. I know a lot of people, it's like, well, you know, God, I really feel like God wants me to do something, but I don't have faith to do that. Let me say it this way. You need crazy faith. We left a 2,000-square-foot home in the suburbs of Los Angeles. That was a cool house, wasn't it, kids? Wasn't that house good? Yeah, that was an awesome house. Hardwood floors, fruit trees in the backyards. It's cool. But when God gives you crazy faith, you do crazy things. And we went from a 2,000-square-foot house. I'd always, let me say this, a side note, I'd always had a dream to live in a tiny house. My wife didn't share that dream. But we wound up, because our reasoning was that, hey, if this doesn't work, and we fall flat on our face, and we go out to Texas, and at least we got something to live in. So we moved into a 200-square-foot RV camper. And then we were here for a few months. I got a job. I was able to, to get us out of the camper and into a 1,200-square-foot house. And, and, and it was a mobile home. You know, mobile homes are cool here. Where my wife grew up from, mobile homes weren't cool. And I would have never got her to move into a mobile home before. But when she had the chance to go from 200 square feet to 1,200 square feet, she jumped at it. She didn't care what it was. And we thought, this is cool. God's doing some good things. We're meeting some people like Pastor Andy and, 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 and Pastor Michael at, 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 uh, at Free City. And we're just, it's so cool. And, and we're like on this track that's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to grow. You know, God's going to allow us to grow little by little like this and I got this cool job at the food bank, and things are happening. And then all of a sudden, the hurricane. Now, I grew up in Oklahoma. I've been in some tornadoes. I was in a 1999 tornado that was an F5 a mile wide. So I know about storms. But those storms maybe take 30 to 45 minutes to pass, and that's it. Never. Never in my life have I ever been in an RV camper in a storm that lasted 36 hours. Oh, my gosh. Between my wife and my dogs, none of us got any sleep that night. But God saved us. He spared us. Our house was underwater for about a week before we could even get back in there. Lost everything. Everything that we downsized so that we could go from 2,000 to 200 square foot. Things that meant something, that had value, or, you know, uh, or they had memories attached to it. We lost it. And like anybody else, I, I lamented my 60-inch big screen, flat screen TV. Because, man, there ain't nothing like watching an Oklahoma football team beat Texas on a 60-inch flat screen, so... But uh, hopefully you guys will forgive me for that. But 
But just like the analogy that I'm going to share with you, just like it does for you in your spiritual walk, same thing happened to us. We got baptized. We got baptized. And when we came up out of that water, we were a mess. We didn't know what to do. But then all of a sudden, people that had even halfway heard of us began to call and ask, do you guys have anything to help with? And then people that we had met all the course of our our career at the Dream Center began to call and say, hey, I've got a truckload of this, or I've got this, can you use it? And God began to fast-track things, all because of Harvey. You know, and I heard someone say this the other day. They said they had Harvey head. And I'm like, what is Harvey head? Well, it's like, if you have Harvey head, you don't know if you're coming or you're going. So, you know, kind of like the hurricane. So, so it's like God has been doing so many great things for us, so many dreams coming to pass, so many things happening that we've got Harvey head. We don't know if we're coming or we're going sometimes. But it's crazy and it's great. And it's all about having that crazy faith in God. Just like David, before he faced Goliath, the scripture tells us that there was a lion and there was a bear that came to grab the flock. And in that moment, in those times, God rose up within him. The Spirit of God rose up within him and gave him the strength to take the lion by the beard and slay it, to take the bear and to slay it, and to be able to rise up. Because what God was doing in those moments was he was getting him ready for Goliath. And even in that process of facing Goliath, the Bible says that he went down and he picked up five stones. Again, I don't think that David doubted that he was going to kill Goliath. I don't think David doubted any of that. Because you know the reason why he picked up five stones? Goliath had four brothers. So he was confident that he was going to take Goliath and his four brothers. So that's really what I want to share with you as as I close this out this morning. If we want to have a cause within us to dream again, then we must look to David's example. And, and, And some of you may have had a piece of paper. I don't know if we got to everyone that when you were coming in, they handed out pieces of paper. How many did not get one? Okay. Do we still, who has those back there? You guys have those? If you can pass those out. Because we're going to do something here in closing. I'm going to ask my wife to come up. Whether she, yeah, can Michelle help you? I'm going to have her come up here. But if you want to have that cause to dream again within you, then you've got to develop that intimacy with God. You've got to be obedient. You've got to be loyal. And you've got to have crazy faith. Crazy faith. And that's all it is. Because we're crazy. I'm from Oklahoma. You know what happens when a tornado siren goes off and you're from Oklahoma? You don't go to the storm cellar. You go outside and look and see where the tornado is. Right? I'm sure, I mean, I know in parts of Texas it's Tornado Alley as well, but it's like, that's crazy, right? We're all crazy. So why can't we be crazy for God? Amen. Well, we just want to um, close with, I know that for us, this has been a crazy journey. And God's, we've just seen God's hand and favor on our lives since we've been here. 
So what we want to do as he talks about dreams, if you have dreams, that little piece of paper, we want you to write that down. Because what we want to do, we want to, in Habakkuk 2.2 says, um, uh, write it down and make it plain. So if you have a dream in your heart, write it down, and we're going to have little, um, we have pins over there, babe. Can you go get the pins? And we're going to put them on the board, and what we'll do is pray over them because, like, God gave us favor and just did crazy things for us. We want to be able to impart that on you and pray over it, okay? So that's what we want to do. So if we can just have maybe some music, people can write it down and come up here and, and pin it, and then at the end we'll pray for, it, for all your dreams. So thank you. Father, we, we come before you this morning and just thank you for this day. This is the day that you've made. We rejoice and we're so glad in it. Just thank you, God, that you're a big God and you care for us so much, Lord. And right now, God, I pray for all these dreams that are represented on these boards, God. You see people's heart, Lord. You see, God, those things that people want to do for you, things that, God, that they've been in their hearts, Lord. Maybe some of them had died, but, God, you're rekindling that fire again that you're having people dream again, Lord, that there are big dreams for you. And so right now, I just pray for each person that's represented, each dream, God. Lord, just like you have shown us favor and you have shown us things that beyond our wildest imagination, I pray, God, today would be a start of the journey of great things to come for each individual here today, Lord. We thank you, God, that we have the opportunity to be here, Lord, to be able to share dreams with you because you are a big God and you have big dreams for us. So right now, God, as we continue to um, take one day at a time, Lord, and continue, God, to seek you with all of our heart, mind, and soul, God, that you would train us in equipment for such a time as this, Lord, when that dream will come to pass and we can remember this day because, God, you love us so much and we give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much. You, you've been an amazing group of people. I can see the faith that's in your eyes, the light bulbs that come on. Thank you for your pastor. We're going to be back at the table. We have a couple of things that we'd love to share with you about a couple of different ways that you can partner with us uh, through our newsletter and find out of the events and everything that's going on. And so we just thank you so much. And I'm going to turn it back over to your pastor right now.